I have a question for you. Where will you be when it ends? Where will you be when it ends? And I'm not saying where are you going to lunch after this service, okay? Where will you be when either you die or the world ends? Where will you be? I think it's maybe one of the most important questions we need to ask ourselves. Where will you be? And some of you are immediately thinking, well, hey, I don't, I don't know about all that, that stuff. I, I just, I'm not sure. Well, you might not know. You might not be sure. But if there is something after this life, you need to think about it. And what the Bible is going to teach us very clearly, what God is going to tell us through his word, is that there are only two destinations for every single human being on this planet. Only two. Heaven or hell. Life or death. To shine or to shame. Those are the only two options. There are only two. So where will you stand when it ends? Some of you are immediately being like, well, I don't like the idea of hell. Like, that's not fun. Well, of course it's not. Nobody likes the idea of hell. And that's why it's even more important than we talk about it. Because if it's even just a remote possibility that you could go there, don't you want to make sure you don't? And that's why we need to talk about today. And what we're going to talk about is not only important for your life, but important for your eternity. Because there are only two different locations. As the Bible and as Jesus make very, very clear. So we are wrapping up today our series through the book of Daniel, and actually it's been two series, and this second series has been in the second half of Daniel, which is the weird half, right? The half that everybody skips. People, if they know anything about Daniel as a character in the Bible, they're like, they know the first half of the book of Daniel, when he becomes a vegetarian, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go in the fire and don't get burned, when he gets thrown in the lion's den, when there's writing on the wall. You may have heard some of those stories about Daniel, but then people get to the second half and they skip it because it's so weird. It's Daniel as an older man, having this series of visions of God showing us a peak behind the scenes. And these visions have shown some of the things in the future. They've also shown some of the supernatural around us. And today we're going to see what happens at the very end when it ends. We're going to get this peak into the future. And if you've missed this series, in chapter 7, in the first message in this series, we saw that, that there's going to be conflict, there's going to be wars, there's things that are going to happen, but the good news is we win. That's what we got to learn. Like, God has written the future of the story. He's the author, and we win. So it's great news. In the second week, we saw a lot of history, 330 years of history, that God accurately told Daniel what was going to happen through the Persian Empire, through the Greek Empire. And what we learned is that history is his story. And that's so significant for us because we go through things. We don't know what's going to happen, but our story is his story as well. He's already written it. So no matter what happens, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. History it's his story. Our story is his story. And then in week three, we saw Daniel realizing that the reason why God's people had been taken as slaves into exile in Babylon was because of their sin. Our sin has consequences. The bad things we do lead to bad things happening to us. And so Daniel repented, and it was a great model for us, wasn't it? And we learned a lot of us like want our prayers to be answered. Well, God responds to repentance. To those who confess that they are sinners and they need some help, that's who God listens to. And we together learned that, and we actually practiced some repentance that day, didn't we? 
And then last week, as we started this final vision of Daniel, because it actually goes from chapters 10 through 12, we're going to be in chapter 12 today, we saw what God was teaching, and in those two chapters, we began to see the supernatural, that there are angels and demons, that there is a war going on, and we learn that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Sometimes we get drawn into political battles and we think that's what's gonna be, it's like national things, it's gonna be this fight over the school board. No, 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 our struggle is a supernatural struggle and we need to learn how to fight that battle. So that's what we learned last week. And today as we wrap up this message, uh, this series in the book of Daniel, we're gonna learn a super important truth about when it ends and it's this. You guys listening? Lean in a little bit. We're gonna learn this. How you stand determines if you'll shine. How you stand determines if you shine. How you stand now in this life determines if you will shine then. What we do matters. Okay, and I want us to practice, right? We're supposed to stand. So could everybody stand up for a second? If you're here in person, if you're online, I want you to stand too, even if you're like by yourself in the bus. Um, like stand up for a second. Okay, we're standing. Okay, we're standing, right? Okay, you guys know what standing means? We're all doing it right now. We're practicing right now. So how you stand determines if you shine. Now I want everybody to shine. What? There's a few people doing jazz hands. Okay, what? We're like, what, what does shine mean? Oh, some people getting out their phones. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay, you guys can have a seat. We're like, what does shine mean? Well, we're going to learn some of that in this passage. But how you stand determines if you'll shine. So we need to learn how to stand. And we're going to learn three different lessons about how we need to stand in this life now so that we can shine forever and ever in everlasting life. So the first thing we're going to learn if you're taking notes, and if you want, you can use the YouVersion Bible app, find our Arise Church Denver event. Take notes right there, see the scripture that we're covering today. But the first thing we're going to learn about how to stand is that, one, if you stand firm, you will be saved. If you stand firm, you will be saved. So let's start Daniel chapter 12 together. We'll start in verse 1. If you weren't here, there was this vision Daniel had, and then an angel came to him and started telling him about some of the things that were happening, and then it, things got very violent at the end of chapter 11. Things were very bad. And then it says in, in verse 1, at that time, Michael, the great prince, by great prince it means the archangel. He's one of the top dog angels, a warrior who fights for God's people. It says, who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. So at the very end, we'll have an angel fighting for us to protect us, but there's going to be a time of great distress. The scriptures teach us again and again that towards the end of the world, things will get really bad. It's this time here called the time of great distress. Some people call it the time of great tribulation, which is an old word that means distress, okay? Tribulation, trial, conflict, distress, and it will be a great time. And this last time, and we'll talk about when it's going to be in just a minute because that's what everybody wants to know. Well, when is that going to happen? Because everybody thinks it's going to happen in their lifetime, for like 2,000 years, everybody's like, it's going to happen in this generation. Everybody thinks that. I saw one poll that was like 70% of Christians think that Jesus is going to return in the next 40 years. Well, that's what like 70% of Christians have thought for the last 2,000 years. So I don't know, but I do know there will be a time of great distress at the end. Things will get really bad. But as we see in the second half of verse 1, it says, But that, at that time, your people, God's people, everyone whose name is found written in the book 
will be delivered. The word delivered is a synonym for saved. Those whose name is written in the book of life will be delivered. They will be saved. And that's why I say, if you stand firm, you will be saved. Now, when we use the word saved here, some people are like, well, I thought if, if you believe in Jesus, you're saved, right? But there's also a concept of salvation that it doesn't just begin the moment you believe, but it goes till the very end. And if you are faithful in your belief till the end, then you will also be saved. It's not saying like if you're a good person for the rest of your life and you do enough good works, then you'll be saved. No, no, no. We're staying faith. It's, it's faith from first to last. We believe in Jesus Christ, and it's that faith that must carry us to the end, even through some of the hardest things that might befall us. So you're wondering, well, when is that? <laughs> when is this time of great tribulation? We all want to know. Some of you are watching online right now, and you're taking notes. You're trying to fit it into your chart. When are the end times coming? Can I smell it in the air? Like, is it happening this decade? What's interesting is that there's this one angel that's been talking to Daniel the whole time. And now in this chapter, we're going to jump down a little bit. Two more angels show up. And it's interesting because they just like appear and they're like, hey. One of them even asks, like, how long is this going to be? The angels don't even know when the end will be. Did you know that? Jesus said that. Nobody knows. The angels don't know. Even Jesus in his life here on earth didn't know when the end would be. He said only the Father knows. So anybody who tells you they know when it's going to end, they're lying because they ain't our Father in heaven. You heard me on that? So don't go chasing stupid idiot prophets. Okay, let's just say that. If you're online and you're one of those people, stop it. Repent, okay? Nobody knows the end. Even the angels are trying to figure it out. So the angels are like, when is it going to be? And in the second half of verse 7, we're going to pick it up as the first main angel starts talking again. He says, it will be for a time, times, and half a time when the power of the holy people has been finally broken. All these things will be completed. So there you go. A time, times, and half a time. If you're like, what does that mean? That's exactly what Daniel was thinking. Verse 8, he says, I heard, but I did not understand. Okay, so if you don't understand this stuff, neither did Daniel. One of the greatest heroes of the Bible had no clue what this angel was talking about. And he even asked the follow-up question. He says, my Lord, what will be the outcome of all this? Okay, things are going to get really bad. That's clear. How long? Time, time, and half a times. A lot of people think, well, that means one, time, one plus two plus half. So that's three and a half. So people interpret this as three and a half years. I think there's actually pretty good grounds for that, as we'll see in just a moment, that this could be a three-and-a-half-year period. But when that three-and-a-half-year period starts, none of us have any clue. So even if we know it's three-and-a-half years, we don't know when it's going to start. But we do know it's going to end. In verse 9, the angel responds to Daniel, and he says, Go your way, Daniel. Just live your life. Don't worry too much about this stuff. Because the words are rolled up and sealed until the end of the time. Meaning, none of this is going to make sense until the end. And in the book of Revelation, they actually open up scrolls in this vision that John has. I wonder if this is the scroll that's opened up. So finally, it makes sense. But the angel does tell us what's going to happen. Verse 10, many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. And none of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. This is what we can understand. Things will get tough. There will be trials. There will be tribulation. There will be distress. And those who are faithful and they stand firm will be refined. 
When you're refined, that means it's getting rid of all the bad stuff. The sin in your life will be less and less. All the unnecessary things in your life will be less and less. When we go through trials, and when we go through the great trial at the end, you get refined. This is what happens for this time. And then, verse 11, the angel says, from the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, we'll talk about that, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. What? As for you, go your way until the end. Okay. So 1,290 days, if you do the calculation, that's somewhere around three and a half years. 1,335 days, that's somewhere around three and a half years. In the book of Revelation, it actually has another figure, 1,260 days, around three and a half years. Now, I don't know what happens between 1,260 to 1,290 to 1,335. What are those extra 30 and 45 days going on there? But what we see that there's this three and a half year period and certain things are going to happen. People try to map it out. That's what those timelines are. They're like trying to figure out what event happens at which time. And, and I, don't, I have not been convinced by anybody's timeline, sorry. We don't know and we probably won't know. It's sealed up until the end, then it will be clear. But what we do know is that there will be a hard time at the end, a hard trial, but it will come to an end. And three and a half years is a long time when you're living through it, but it comes to an end. Just think about this. What happened three years ago this week? Anybody remember? Three years ago. Oh my gosh, Tom Hanks got COVID-19 in Australia. Do you remember this? The NBA shut down, and one of the most pivotal things, Arise Church Denver was not meeting that Sunday. Do you guys remember that? A lot of you weren't even a part of our church then, right? We weren't meeting in person. We were online only. And oh my gosh, our world got upended. That was three years ago. For how many people does that feel more than three years ago? Anybody? Some people are like, no, it feels like yesterday. Anybody? Raise your hand if that's... Like, it like has distorted our sense of time, hasn't it? These last three years. And it has felt like a long time in a lot of different ways. Like, when are we going to open up? When are we going to stop wearing masks? When is this virus going to stop going around? When are our kids going to be back to school? Do you remember all these things that we're waiting in? And, and that trial, it seemed to go on forever, but it's three years later... And it's three years later, and we're like, okay, we made it through. You guys made it through. All right, guys, good job. You can give yourself a round of applause. We've made it through. Some of you are like, no, it's still going on. Okay, I'm not trying to debate that right now. Maybe in the next half a year, we'll get over it. But I'm saying this. It, there's like a 1260 period, a 1290-day period, and then a 1335-day period. And I say that because it's interesting because some people are like, I just got to get to the finish line, and then there's another finish line, and then another finish line, another 45 days, another 30 days. And when you're going through something awful in life, man, that's the worst, right? But it's that waiting and pushing forward when you make it to the top of the mountain, and then there's, oh my gosh, it's a false summit. We got to climb even higher, Right? That's what trials feel like in our life. And maybe this great trial will be the greatest example, but whether it's small trials in our life or the final trial, we have to stand firm and keep pushing forward. And it might feel like, oh my gosh, it's been going on so long, but God has limited the time for your trial. If you are right now in a trial, it is going to end. God has already written the future. Your trial will come to the end. I don't know if it will be 30 more days, 45 more days, three more years, decades more, but it will come to an end. God has already written it. So stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always stay firm on Jesus because everything's going to push you away from that. 
Stop believing your God isn't gonna come true. He, he's not even real. He doesn't listen to prayers. And maybe if he is real, he doesn't love you. Okay, that's the, the thoughts that are gonna go through your head. That's what the things are gonna be told to you by other people. And many will go astray. When things get really bad at the end, when it's illegal to follow Jesus, when people are persecuting us to, to the level that's going on in China or North Korea right now, like when that happens to us, we're gonna be like, many will fall away. But we must stand firm. No matter what comes at you, stand firm and you will be saved. So if you just got that diagnosis, stand firm. If you just heard about someone you love dying, stand firm. You will make it through the grief. If you are struggling right now, you lost your job, stand firm. Let nothing move you. If you stand firm, you will be saved. How you stand determines if you shine. Tracking with me on this? And it's standing firm till the end. Standing firm to the end. So, some people are like, this abomination and desolation, what is this even talking about? Is that what happened with Antiochus Epiphanes when they set up a statue to Zeus in the temple and sacrificed a pig? Remember we were talking about that a few weeks ago? What Jesus tells us is actually, this is probably something that's going to happen again in the future. It might have happened in 167 BC, but it's also going to happen in the future. I want to show you this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Jesus says, So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. So did you know what Jesus believed everything Daniel said? Okay, so if Jesus believes it, I follow Jesus, I believe him. Okay? And, and what is he talking about? Verse 21 of Matthew. For then there will be great distress. Sound familiar? Unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. See, Jesus believed this stuff. He knew it was coming. And we need to stand firm. In fact, that's what he says um, elsewhere in that chapter in verses 12 and 13 of Matthew 24. Jesus says this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. See that word most? Most of Jesus' followers, their love for him will grow cold. They will not stand firm. Don't let that be said of you. Don't let your faith, your love for God grow cold and say, oh my gosh, things are too hard. I, I can't believe, I can't make it through this. Don't do it. But Jesus says, the one who stands what? The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. That's where I got my point number one, in case you're wondering. Those are the words of Jesus. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You have to make it through, and that's what it's going to take. Your faith is going to be tested in a trial. We have to stand firm to the end, and it's those who do who will be saved. So that's the first thing. If you stand firm, you will be saved. And it's till the end whenever that is. Now, back on um, September 6th of 1995, there was one of the greatest games of baseball ever played. And it wasn't because the Baltimore Orioles beat the California Angels 4-2. to that, That's not why. It's because of somebody who was playing in that game. Because in the fifth inning of that game, when the game is officially considered by, by baseball rules a, a full game, Cal Ripken Jr. had just broken Lou Gehrig's record and had played his 2,131st consecutive game. That's impressive. And Cal Ripken Jr., after they got to the fifth inning, people started standing to cheer for him. Because this record had been standing for over 40 years. And nobody had played that many games in a row. That's a lot of games in a row. 
Over a decade, he's playing game after game after game through injury, through hurt, through weather. No matter what's coming up, he keeps at it, right? He's standing firm, and he keeps playing. So when people stood up in the fifth inning to start cheering for him, they started yelling, cheering, applauding. Our president, Bill Clinton at the time, was there standing and applauding Cal Ripken Jr. So he went out and, and waved to the crowd, and they kept cheering. And then he went back into the dugout. Does anybody remember this game? And then they, they pushed him back out because everybody was still cheering. This happened multiple times. Finally, he did a victory lap, tried to go back in, and people are still cheering. For 22 minutes, he received a standing ovation. Not because he was the best hitter or had made a great play or, or hit a home run. He could do all those things. But because he stuck with it. This is maybe the greatest record that will ever stand in baseball, and people think nobody will ever beat it just because he showed up every day and kept going. That's why he was applauded. So let me tell you this. We've got to stand firm so that we can receive the applause at the end. So we can hear the voice of the Father saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Stand firm. And I think there are some people going through a trial right now who need some encouragement. They're on the brink right now. They're like, I don't know if I can keep going. And they're here in our midst. They're watching online. And I think we need to give them some applause, don't you? So let's stand up and let's give an applause to those who keep going, who are standing faithful. Let's do it. <laughs> keep at it. Keep moving. Keep moving forward. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Okay, you, you guys can have a seat. We don't have to do that for 22 minutes. <laughs> we got to stand firm and then you will be saved. That's the first point we learn from Daniel 12, chapter 12. The second one is that if you stand with Jesus, you'll receive eternal life. We don't just stand firm, we need to stand firm believing and trusting in Jesus because when you stand with him, that's what's going to determine whether you will have everlasting life with him forever. The angel speaks to Daniel in 13, and I want to finish out this chapter, and then we're going to go back to the, the beginning because I, I love the words of the beginning of this chapter. Second half of verse 13, the angel says, You will rest, Daniel, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. What he's telling Daniel, this faithful man who is now in his 80s, who has been faithful to God through slavery, through King Nebuchadnezzar, through who knows what kind of abuse, maybe even forced to become a eunuch, what history tells us, through decades of that, he is faithful, and still he will not see the end in this life. And that's why the angel says, you're going to die, you're going to rest, but at the end, you will rise. There will be a resurrection. You will see the last day when you have eternal life. This is what God makes so clear through this angel that's speaking to Daniel. Let, let's jump back to the beginning. In, in chapter 12, we're going to jump down the second half of verse 1. I want to start there again, and then we're going to look at 2. The angel says, but at that time, at the end, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. And verse 2 says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. The multitudes means every human being who has died. This is Daniel. This is David. This is Joseph. This is Paul. This is even Billy Graham. These guys are faithful, right? These are the people we love who have passed on. Everyone will rise at the end. And then some 
will rise to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. There are two different paths, two different places that all people will go, one or the other. There's not different options. You don't get to choose. You don't be like, well, I kind of want to go in the middle ground. Like, there are only two options. The scriptures are abundantly clear. This is the clearest place in the Old Testament, but Jesus says that over and over again. He says, okay, there's a wide path. Many go on it. There's a big, broad gate. Many enter through destruction that way. But then there's a small path with a narrow gate that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus talks about these two paths. There's, there's no other options. And nowhere in the Bible, I'm sorry to break it to you, there is there a place called purgatory. That, that is not taught in the Bible anywhere. In fact, we are taught very clearly in Hebrews 9.27. It says this. It is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment. You die and then judgment. You don't get to work off your sins in the next life. That is not from the Bible. I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you, and I know some of you may be even taught that by your church. It's not in the Bible anywhere. Instead, we're taught over and over again there are two paths, and what you do decide now where you stand today determines your destiny then. And if you stand with Jesus here, you will have eternal life then. Is tracking with me on this? Daniel would be raised to life. Did you know that we as followers of Jesus look forward to that last resurrection? A lot of people think, oh, it's when you die and your soul leaves your body and you get to float around in heaven. Okay, Paul does say that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Like, that's clear. Uh, Jesus said that to the, to the person on the cross next to him. He believed in that moment, even though he was a criminal. Okay, that's good news for you and I, okay? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. We will go to paradise. But what we actually look forward to as followers of Jesus is the end, where there will be a resurrection of our bodies. And we will get to live and reign on the new heavens and the new earth that have combined, and we get to live forever, where there will be no more sickness, sorrow, pain, or death, to reign on this planet forever. And here's another thing. I'm going to burst some people's bubbles. You don't get to become an angel. You don't. You don't. Now, maybe we'll get wings. Like, that would be cool. <laughs> I don't know. Jesus kind of flew up into the air. But what we do know is that we'll be better than angels. I think people who think they're going to become angels, you're aiming too low. That's what the book of Hebrews teaches us. Like, Jesus became lower than the angels while he was here on earth as a human being and then became higher to them. It says that we will judge angels, followers of Jesus. We're higher than the angels. Okay, what we look forward to is something so much greater in eternal life. And, and that is only available for those who stand with Jesus now. Because it said those whose names are written in the book of life. It doesn't say those who are good people. It doesn't say those who have been faithful to go to church every single week. It doesn't say those who have tithed. It doesn't say those who have been baptized. It doesn't even say those who have raised their hand and said the sinner's prayer. It says those whose names are written in the book. Jesus said that too. When his disciples were casting out demons for the first time, they're like, look at us. Jesus says, don't rejoice that the demons listen to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And in the book of Revelation, we're told the name of this book, the title of it, the Lamb's Book of Life. Because the Lamb is Jesus who died as a sacrificial lamb in our place. At the end, there will be a book that's open. We're told this at the very end of Revelation. There's a book that's open that has all your deeds that you've ever done. And that's what people are judged on. The people who go to everlasting shame and contempt deserve it. 
They have done things in their life, and they have chosen to live apart from God in this life, and they're going to choose it in eternity. And every single one of us, when that first book is open, will be sad, like, uh uh-oh, like, how did I do that? Yes, you're right. I I didn't do the good things I should have done. I've done some sin. But then there's a second book, and it's that second book that gives us hope because the only thing that matters is, is your name written in it? You might be the worst person in the world, but your name is open up because I put my faith in Jesus. I put my trust in Jesus, and your name is written in the book. And it's like, you're in. You're in. It's like you're going to the club, and you're like, ah, I'm not famous enough. I'm not rich enough to get into this club. The, the bouncer's like, oh, you know the owner. You're in, right? That's what it's going to be like if your name is written in the book of life. That's what matters, and that's why we must stand with Jesus, and, and we are told clearly by Jesus that whoever believes in me has crossed over from death to life. Paul says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you put your faith in Jesus, that's all it takes. Your name is written down. You're in. So where we stand now and how we stand determines if we'll shine. So stand with Jesus. Now, I do want to make it even more clear that if you don't stand with Jesus, the corollary of this is that you will stand in shame forever. That's what it says. Shame because it's not a good place to be. It's not going to feel good. It's contempt. And that, that's what we call hell. And Jesus talked about hell more than anyone else in the entire Bible. 12% of all his teaching and half of all his parables talked about hell and judgment. Why? Because he didn't want people to go there. It's a place of suffering. It's a place of torment forever and ever. And sadly, people choose it. Sadly, people choose it. And... and, and I think C.S. Lewis is right when he says that the gates of hell are locked from the inside. Because if people in this life hear about Jesus and they know they're doing wrong and they still say, no, 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 I'd rather do it my way than God's way. Why would they then want to spend eternity with God? Like it doesn't make any sense. The people who in this life are like, I'm not gonna follow God are not gonna wanna do it on the other side of eternity. It's going to continue. That's why the gates of hell are locked from the inside. People often wonder, like, well, how could a good, loving God send people to hell? That's the wrong question. How could people choose to go to hell instead of obey a good and loving God? That's the real question. I don't know. I don't get it. Because hell is hot and eternity is a long time, and yet people choose it again and again, and most people choose it rather than declare that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. So how we stand now determines our eternal destiny, and that's so important. G.K. Chesterton, if we pull up this, says that hell is God's great complement to the reality of human freedom and the dignity of human choice. God lets us make our choice. So if some of you here today have not put your faith in Jesus, you're listening to my voice, and you haven't stood with Jesus and say, I stand with him, this is critical for you to think about, because your choice now determines your eternity then. Am I clear enough? Am I clear enough? We've got to stand with Jesus now. And even more than that, we need to stand to help others follow Jesus. That's our third point. Stand to help others follow Jesus, and then you'll shine like the stars. You really want to shine in heaven forever? Help others get there. In verse 3, the angel continues. He says, Um, that those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness 
like the stars forever and ever. If you help other people, if you lead other people to Jesus, you will shine forever and ever. There will be rewards for you because you're helping people escape an eternity in hell and find an eternity with Jesus forever where everything is made right. You will shine. And so when you help somebody else follow Jesus, you are helping them for eternity and you will shine. That's what we want for you. I want for you. That's why our mission statement is to help people follow Jesus. And it's not just that it's my job because I get paid to do it. It's all of our jobs. We help others. We lead others to righteousness. We help them shine, and it's what makes a difference. I once heard an interview with Penn Jillette. Do you remember Penn Jillette? He's a magician, Penn and Teller. He's one half of them, right? There's an interview. He's an ardent atheist, and yet in this interview, he's like, I think it's awful when Christians don't tell people about their faith. He said, how much, if you actually believe that people will go into eternity of hell or heaven, and you don't tell other people about them, he said, you must hate people to not tell them. You must hate them to not tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's an atheist. He doesn't believe. But he's like, but if you believe it, you better tell people. Forty-five percent, no, I'm sorry, 49% of millennial Christians, I'm a millennial Christian, think it is wrong to share your faith with somebody else. They think it's wrong. That is wrong. That is evil. By not opening up our mouth to tell people about Jesus, to help people come a little closer to Jesus, that is wrong. Because we want to help people find Jesus, to find eternal life, and to be raised to live with him forever and ever. And not only will they shine, but we too will shine even brighter in heaven. Greater will be our rewards. That's why we help people follow Jesus here. That's why in our kids' ministry it's so important. That's why it's important to get our kids in our kids' ministry. That's why we invested in Brenna, our, our new kids director. We, we hired a full-time person, and since she's come on board, we have 30% more kids every Sunday. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I think that's awesome. And, and this week, I was excited. McKinley um, has been going to class, and, and she came home. This is um, some artwork. Maybe you guys have seen it if you have a kid in there. Uh, Brenna makes these. She does the artwork so that kids can memorize Bible verses as they're coloring. And this week... McKinley just started saying this Bible verse, and Melissa and I were like looking at each other like, what? Did you help her? And we're like, no, no, no. She learned it in class, and because she's been coloring all week, she had this verse memorized. I took a video of it, and I sent it to some of her teachers. I was like, thank you, guys. I sent it to Brenna. I was like, thank you for investing my kid, because I want McKinley and all three of my kids to go to heaven forever. It's of critical importance to me. I want your kids to go to heaven forever. That's why we invest in the next generation here. That's why every single Sunday, we ask people to make a decision to follow Jesus. Did you know we've been doing that every single Sunday now for six months? We've been asking people like, will you make a decision? We, we did it most weeks before that, but now we're doing it every week. In those six months, we have seen 100 people make a decision to follow Jesus. 20 of them have gone public with their faith through baptism. And, and that's what we're a part of as a church. That's why it's important for every single one of us to be on this mission together. And then we'll shine like stars forever and ever. Because we know Jesus not only said, yeah, I believe that stuff Daniel said, but Jesus proved to us that what Daniel said is true. Because Jesus, though he was perfect, he died in our place. He suffered shame in our place by dying on a cross, though he had never sinned. But on the third day, he rose from the dead he was resurrected, 
to show us that we too will have resurrected bodies. Sure, we bear scars. Jesus did. He had the scars in his hands and feet. But now he had a perfect resurrected body. He hugged people. He ate meals. And then he ascended in heaven. He was flying, right? And now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And one day we too will have resurrected bodies just like his. Jesus proved what Daniel had written. So we can put our faith in that Jesus and stand with him. And we will shine forever and ever and ever. And guys, I want you, if you can hear my voice online in person, you need to make a decision today because you don't know if you'll have it tomorrow. This week, we got a phone call from some dear friends. Um, We've known him for a long time. My wife has known him her entire life. Um, Kyle is a pastor at her home church in, in Moab, Utah. And Kyle's daughter was 17 and this week veered into oncoming traffic, was hit by a truck and was killed instantly. This weekend, she was supposed to have her prom. Instead, they had her funeral. Yesterday. That's the reality of the life we live in. We need to think about this soberly. We don't know if we will die or if we'll make it past those three and a half years until Jesus returns again. We don't know. But we will face a judgment. And there are only two paths. And how you stand today, now, will determine if you'll shine then. So we've got to make a decision. If you hear my voice, make a decision. Don't put it off. Don't wait till you've thought about it some more. Decide now. Learn more later. So I want to give you an opportunity today to respond by making a decision to follow and to stand with Jesus. The way we do that here is just by giving you a simple prayer so that you can call on the name of the Lord and you can be saved. So if you're a follower of Jesus, we want you to repeat this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody who needs to say it for the first time today. So if everybody could close their eyes and please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Write my name in your book. Fill me with your spirit. Give me eternal life and help me to follow you and stand firm till the end. Now with eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, if Jesus today is your Lord and Savior, you made a stand today, we want to celebrate with you. So please put your hand in the air on the count of three. Put it up high. One, two, three. Put that hand in the air if you made that decision today. But praise God, I see a hand in the back. Praise God. Let's celebrate with those people. And if you're online, go to risedenver.com slash follow. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you offer us eternal life to awful sinners like us who don't deserve it. But your son died in our place. And Lord Jesus, we call on your name. We are so grateful. We are so grateful that Lexi went to be with you this week because she put her faith in Jesus. Oh God, pray that you'd comfort that Van Arsdal family. And I pray that you'd be with all of us to stay faithful, to stand firm, to keep moving forward, to trust in Jesus, to lead us again into the future. Lord Jesus, we stand with you. Amen.